Well, thank you for that. Welcome, everybody. It really is uh, great to uh, be here. Great to have you all with me, wherever you're watching on from, whether online or in Cambridge uh, or here. Uh, it is really wonderful to uh, be with you all today. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're looking forward to uh, Christmas. Um, if you are looking forward to Christmas half as much as me, then I'm looking forward to Christmas twice as much as you. Uh, I'd just like to start with a bit, bit, bit of maths there. Um, do you know what? I've pretty much, as far back as I can remember, I have always loved Christmas. One of my very earliest memories in life is standing in awe in front of a Christmas tree in our house in North Yorkshire, which means it must have been before I was uh, three years old. Uh, Christmas totally captured me as a boy, uh, lost me a little bit, I must admit, as a teenager. Um, came back in when I became a Christian and has really come back with a vengeance since I've been uh, a father. Uh, but I absolutely uh, love Christmas. One thing I do struggle with, though, is the fact that you have this big build-up and then inevitably there is going to be a day when it, it comes and then it goes and then you're just left with this terrible sense of uh, loss and waste after it's gone and you want all the excitement back. Uh, not very easy for any excitable 42-year-old to deal with. So in order to manage my emotions in this regard, uh, what I've done over the years is I've, I've tried to just make the most of the season. So get started as early as possible and build in lots of little personal uh, traditions. So every year, and very often I'm preaching around Christmas, so I use that as a bit of an excuse to start listening to Christmas music, probably earlier than is uh, couth. What's the opposite of uncouth? Anyway, um, I also like to read A Christmas Carol, the Charles Dickens book, every year. Uh, I like to think of thoughtful presents as opposed to the last minute petrol station raid of my uh, teenage years. Uh, and also, I really like to get into various different uh, Christmas television classics. This year, I've had the pleasure and privilege of introducing my uh, two-year-old boy, Arlo, to the Christmas classic, The Snowman. Um, and he's loved this so much uh, that he's actually embraced it and he's learned the song. And you're about to see evidence of this in his very first public singing experience. So I hope you will enjoy. <clears throat> A holding a needle, oh, Thank you. That video is actually an hour long, but they uh, they made me they made me they made me cut it down. I actually wanted it to be the live performance, but uh, his agent and also his mother. Uh, <laughs> pointed out that her artist can be quite a temperamental uh, artist and so probably for the best. Also, he wasn't very impressed with the financial remuneration he was offered <clears throat> in that there wasn't any. Uh, but trust you'd agree that actually, you know, that's a, a rather cute thing to do and obviously it can, uh, you know, raise the spirits in, the, in, in your household and there are all sorts of other little things you can do to try and make the most of it. But how many of you know that actually you can do all of the things I've mentioned and more and still miss the whole point of Christmas? It can still be a waste, you can still not make the most of it. Because ultimately, what Christmas is truly about is about the birth of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. 
And actually, if we're really going to avoid that sense of loss and waste at the end of the Christmas season, I think what we want to do is really make the most of it by putting Jesus front and centre, by celebrating and sharing Jesus this Christmas. And help us do that, continuing in our series, looking at the spirit of Christmas, we're going to move to the next passage from what we were looking at in the book of Luke uh, last week, where we see the well-known story of the angel Gabriel coming and visiting uh, the Virgin Mary and telling her that she is going to be the mother of the Messiah. And in turn, we see her celebrate and then go and share with her relative Elizabeth this wonderful news. And I believe what we're going to see is we're going to see the power of the Holy Spirit and how he's, as we heard last week, behind the scenes in all this, empowering Mary to not only bring Jesus very literally into the centre of her life, but also to be there to share the joy of Jesus when she goes and shares that good news. In other words, what we can learn from Mary in this is how to make the most of the Christmas spirit. That is how we can avail the power of the Holy Spirit that we might celebrate and share Jesus best this Christmas. So two things that we can learn from Mary to help us to make the most of the spirit of Christmas this year. And the first one is this. Number one, prepare your heart for the Lord. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you, are, who, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Now, as we heard last time, uh, the angel Gabriel is one of only two angels uh, who is named in the Bible. We have Michael and we have Gabriel. So what does that tell us? Not only was Gabriel as an angel a pretty intimidating sight, this supernatural messenger from God, and you may have noticed this, every time an angel turns it up, Uh, presumably they're not those uh, fluffy little dolls you see in Christian bookshops or the one you might have at the top of your Christmas tree because they seem to intimidate people. Almost always among the first words they ever use is don't be afraid and Gabriel is no different. But the fact that he's one of the named Christians, uh, sorry, named angels means he's not just an angel, he's a big deal angel. In other words, this would have been a pretty terrifying, intimidating sight for Mary. And indeed, it appears that way. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. I remember when I went on a, a package holiday tour to the Holy Land in more peaceful times a few years ago. And uh, I can remember being in Nazareth in this very place. And the, the wonderful tour guide, this guy called Bob Hunt, was talking to us there as we all sat down amid seeing all these wonderful sights. And he was talking about how we, even if it's unconsciously, we carry in our minds the kind of Christmas card picture of the Virgin Mary. You know the kind of thing I mean? We see a very accomplished young woman, probably in her 20s, a white European woman, often with a halo uh, above her head, uh, looking very unruffled uh, with the angel Gabriel in front of her. But as he pointed out that, of course, it wouldn't have been anything like that. This would have been actually a really wonderful ordeal in many ways, but also an awe-inspiring and intimidating ordeal as the angel came to her. And she wasn't this 20-something accomplished woman. And he just gestured over there. He said, actually, she'd probably have looked like, more like one of those girls over there. 
And I turned my head to see where he was pointing, and there was just this bunch of uh, teenage Middle Eastern girls playing some kind of um, hopscotch-type game in this hilltop in Nazareth. And while I know I'm not supposed to have that Christmas card version of Mary in my head, it's difficult not to let it seep in and have that in your unconscious. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden it brought home to me, actually, Mary wasn't like that. Mary was, to use an old expression, uh, a young slip of a girl. What must it have been like to have this 10-foot angel just appear out of the blue in front of her and give her this incredible news that although she is a virgin, so she is betrothed to Joseph, the betrothal period lasted about a year and they wouldn't have come together in marriage until they were married. So what would she have dealt with? How, how incredibly um, scary would this news have been? And yet, we actually see that Mary seems to take it incredibly well. She deals with it with unbelievable accomplishment, unbelievable grace. How could this possibly have been? And I think the answer comes at the end of the passage where Mary actually celebrates this wonderful thing that's happening in her life. We see when she goes to visit uh, Elizabeth and she's rejoicing in it, she breaks into song or perhaps it's this poem that she utters. It says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. And I won't quote the whole thing, but what she goes into, this wonderful poem or this song of praise has become known as the Magnificat in church history after the, the first word in that Latin Vulgate translation. And it's a beautiful poem, a beautiful song. Yeah, it is theologically uh, rich. It's God-exalting. It's, it's humble on the part of Mary. Uh, it shows us that Mary was basically a youth pastor's dream, right? A, a teenager who knew the scriptures back and forth, who was ready to worship, who had this wonderful heart prepared for the Lord. And you know what? If we are going to make the most of the Christmas spirit, we need to emulate Mary in this. We need to have hearts that are prepared for the Lord. Now, I don't mean having a heart prepared for the Lord means that Mary knew specifically and exactly what the angel was going to do, Right? I don't think, I mean, she may have done. She knew that Joseph was in the line of David. She, she may have thought, she may have wished that she would become the mother of the Messiah. But I don't think she was thinking it was going to happen like this. An angel appeared to her and telling her that before she's even um, gone to bed with Joseph, that actually she is going to be the mother of the Messiah, that it's going to happen by the Holy Spirit. So I'm not saying she was ready for that specifically. What I'm saying is her heart was prepared for the Lord to work in her life. And if we're going to make the most of the Holy Spirit this Christmas, we need to be the same. We need to have hearts that are prepared for whatever the Lord wants us to do. We may not know what the specifics are. We may not know what He's going to ask us to do. But if our hearts are prepared, then we'll be ready to work with whatever He gives us. And so how are we to have prepared hearts? Well, again, think about the traditions that I mentioned before. Okay, I was mentioning lots of sort of fun and glib little ones, but there are other traditions that I've put in place over the last few years. One thing is to try and prepare my heart for the Lord is I make sure in all the Christmas busyness with work and thinking about presents and preparing things and all that kind of stuff that I set aside time for the Lord or that I don't let that, you know, set aside time for the Lord all year round and then let that slip when it comes to Christmas time. In fact, a particular practice I've had over the last few years is to get hold of some Christmas devotional resources. 
So in the last few years, I've looked at um, Tom Wright's Advent for Everybody, a book by, by uh, Sinclair Ferguson, I think called Redeeming Grace, a book by Rebecca McLaughlin, uh, is Christmas Unbelievable, an apologetics book. This year, I've just used the U version of the Bible and been going through a little uh, Christmas devotional, just going through all the texts to do with Christmas. And so it's just a way of starting the day that says, Lord, no matter how busy Christmas gets with the preparation, with the presence, with all these other things, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to think about you. I'm going to make sure you're front and centre. Because after all, if through this season the Lord asks me to do something, I don't want to miss it. I don't want the Holy Spirit to be at work and me not to be ready for it. That would be like being a boat on the ocean and the winds are up, but I've got my sails down. The winds then are just going to pass me by. What I need to do, I need to have a heart prepared for the Lord. That is, I need to have a boat prepared for the winds. I need to get my sails up so that I can make the most of the power of the wind. Do you remember John said, talking about the Holy Spirit, the wind blows where it blows. Well, let's get our sails up then, that we might make the most of the Holy Spirit when it comes. You know, I'm so glad that when I first came to Kingsgate, when I was invited here by a person to a guest service, I'm so glad that that person had a heart prepared for the Lord, that they were ready when the Lord said, go and invite that person to that guest service next week. Just like the Lord is saying to us, all of us right now, we have a guest service next week for Christmas. And Christmas is the best time in the UK to invite anybody who doesn't know the Lord to come along to church. We have that opportunity. Let's get our sails up. Let's have our hearts prepared so that when the Lord says to us, why don't you take that invitation and give it to that person? Why don't you go over the road and just drop it through their letterbox or knock on the door and invite them over for sherry and a mince pie or whatever and share the good news of Jesus with them, that we'll be ready for that. You know, can you imagine all those years ago, if that person hadn't been prepared to act on what the Lord told them to do? Now, I'm quite sure, again, that that person who invited me along was not ready for the specifics. I don't think 10 years before they said, one day you will be working in a company and there will be an accountant in there and I want you to go up to that accountant, he'll be wearing this and that and the other. Perhaps it was like that, but I don't think so. I don't think they were ready for the specifics. I think they just had a heart for the Lord. They wanted to win people to the Lord. And when they could see that actually I was in a particularly low point in my life, and we all need Jesus, but I needed Jesus. When they could see that, they could say to themselves, do you know what? I need to reach out to that person. Lord, I'm ready. I have a prepared heart. I'm going to give out that invitation. I'm going to change that person's life. And that invitation, which would have looked something like this. Okay, it might just be a piece of card, but it was so much more to me. That invitation was the difference between me continuing in absolute misery, in a state of my life, which they wouldn't have known about, of waking up every morning, just feeling lonely, feeling depressed, feeling Lord, just not feeling Lord, but feeling, you know, universe, can I just be happy today? Can I just have one good day? It was difference between that and coming along here, meeting with that very person whose birth we celebrate at this time of the year, coming into relationship with him. And even though there were no circumstantial changes in my life around that time, all of a sudden finding joy, finding peace, being able to settle to things, finding that actually there was a place for me, a family for me and so on. And if we haven't got our hearts prepared, do you know what can happen sometimes? You can have this experience that, you know, I'm ashamed to say I've had before in the past, where sometime in January, I'll think, what's that in my coat? And I'll zip it open, open it up, and I'll open up and say, oh, it's an invitation I didn't give out to somebody. And not to put too fine a point on it, but 
if that person had done that for me, if they hadn't had a prepared heart and they'd found that invitation instead of handing it to me, if they'd found it in their coat sometime later after the guest service, I, that would have been an emblem, if you like, a symbol of my continued misery, my continued life without Jesus. It doesn't, it doesn't bear thinking of for me. If I hadn't had that person share the good news with me, if I hadn't come along here, if I hadn't met this place, if I hadn't been preached to, if I hadn't met the Lord Jesus, I don't know, I don't know what would have happened. I don't know if I'd even be here. And how many other people are there out there just like me? <clears throat> if we have prepared hearts, if we have our sails up ready to catch the wind, ready to avail ourselves of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to reach out and do what the Lord wants us to. So that's the first thing. If we're going to make the most of the spirit of Christmas. Let's prepare our hearts for the Lord. The second thing is this, if we're going to emulate Mary and make the most of the Christmas spirit is this, put your trust in the Lord. The second thing we can learn from her then is to put our trust in the Lord. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, can I just say, Mary knew where babies came from, okay? So did Joseph, so did the rest of her community. So she knows that what the angel is saying to her ultimately is something seemingly impossible is going to happen to you. And yet she still trusts in him. Now it might seem strange to say, let's copy her great example of putting her trust in the Lord here, when actually the very first thing she does is ask a question. And it raises an interesting issue of the place when it comes between faith and questions. Many people think those two things are opposed, but they're not. Actually, what we see from Mary here is she is trusting, but she still has questions. And it might be that you're here and you're relatively new to things. Perhaps you've been invited along by uh, a friend. Perhaps you've been invited along by a loved one. Perhaps you came of your own accord. And you're not yet a Christian and you've got plenty of questions. I just want to say, that's great. It might be that you've asked some of those questions and the person you asked didn't think that they were great, but perhaps they just didn't know the answer. But generally speaking, it's good to have questions. The faith that you have as a Christian is faith in the evidence of what God has shown us. And to find that evidence, you have to ask questions. So so it's a good thing. And actually, we like people asking questions, so much so that we have things like the Alpha course. We have one running in January. And that's what Alpha is really all about. Yes, you get a talk from someone giving the information, but after that, you sit on a table in fellowship and friendship, and that's usually the best part and where the best conversations come. And ultimately, it's about you airing your questions and trying to get answers and so on. So if you have questions, let me commend you in that. Uh, Also, maybe you are a Christian, but you've got friends who aren't, and they're asking you questions and you don't know the answers. Well, send them on Alpha then, and it can be somebody else's problem. But it it is a normal thing to have questions. But... What we're seeing here is not just someone before they become a Christian uh, having questions, but actually someone in Mary who's already part of the people of God, already a believer who still has questions. And when she asks questions here, do you notice the angel simply answers it. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't have a problem with it. There's nothing wrong with still having questions when you're a believer. Now you may say to me, but Tom, do you not remember last week? Zechariah was in a very similar situation. The same angel, the angel Gabriel, came to him and did a very similar thing. said that, Zechariah, something seemingly impossible is going to happen in your life. And Zechariah asked a question, but that time round, seemingly God was annoyed. The angel actually rebuked him. But actually, if you look at it, there's quite a significant difference in the questions that Zechariah asks and Mary asks. Zechariah essentially says, I don't think so. Um, How can I know? In other words, he's got a heart of unbelief. And he's asking for proof. 
But you see what Mary does here? Mary's got a heart full of trust. She's simply asking for understanding. She's asking for explanation. In other words, what Zechariah does, I don't think the Lord likes it because he's saying, Zechariah, you're a priest in the temple. You're old. You've lived with me for many years. I've given you enough evidence. And just in case you don't like that much, there's a 10-foot angel in front of you telling you exactly what's going on. Is that not enough for you? And yet he still has unbelief. That's why the Lord didn't like it. But actually Mary's question simply comes from a trusting heart and an inquiring mind. And I believe the Lord loves that. And the point of application here is, don't ever let your questions get in the way of your trusting in God. Continue to trust in Him. Don't let those questions hold you back. If He's asking you to invite somebody and you're thinking, I don't know, I've got so many questions and doubts and things like that. How can I be then spreading the faith with other people and so on? Well, don't let any of that get in the way of things. Hasn't the Lord done enough in your life, even if it's just a, a small thing you have to cling on to? Isn't that enough? I think we want to follow Mary's example here and basically say, Lord, on the evidence you've shown me, I have enough to trust in you, regardless of any other questions I might have, that I'm going to, as an act of faith, put my trust in you and reach out to others. Ultimately, what Mary does here then is simply asks a question for an explanation of how things are going, but she still has that trusting heart. And the angel has no problem with that, and he answers her question. And what a beautiful and revealing answer it is. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In other words, this seemingly humanly impossible thing is possible because it's gonna happen by the power of the Spirit of Christmas. As Jesus said in um, uh, Matthew 19, 26, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In other words, the reason we can put our trust in God is basically because God can do absolutely anything. We don't have to look to our own doubts, questions, anything like that. We simply put our trust in Him because He has every answer. He knows absolutely everything. We shouldn't let our questions hold us back, nor should we let any worries we have about our lack of ability. It's not about our ability to do things. God can do impossible things. It's about His ability. God's not looking for our ability. He's looking for our humility. And again, Mary is a wonderful example of this. Just look at this incredible answer. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. In other words, what Mary is saying is, I know I haven't got the ability to do this. I know this is humanly impossible, but I'm gonna put my humble trust in a God for whom everything is possible. It's the flip side, yeah? Humility is the other side of trusting. You humble yourself, you trust in the Lord's power, you make most of the Holy Spirit and who knows what the Lord can do this Christmas. You might be looking at some impossible situation. You know, I talk about making the most of Christmas being not just sharing, but celebrating Jesus. You might be looking right now and thinking, I couldn't possibly have a joyful, holly jolly Christmas this year. Actually, I've got, you know, you talk about preparing your heart time. I've got a broken heart. Because let's face it, actually, and I'm talking about how much I love Christmas, but actually I've had some pretty rotten Christmases. Actually, when your heart is broken, perhaps because you're missing someone, perhaps you've lost someone, perhaps a relational breakup or loneliness or illness or whatever it may be, actually Christmas can be the worst time of the year, you know, when everyone else is happy and there's a pressure to be happy and so on. You might be thinking, how could I possibly enjoy this Christmas? I wanna say, put your trust in the Lord. By the Holy Spirit, He will come and comfort you this Christmas. And you will see that actually Jesus is the joy of Christmas in the centre part. 
You might also be looking and thinking, how can I possibly reach out to other people? Perhaps through shyness or perhaps God's asking you to invite people that you've invited before and they've said no, perhaps they're pretty anti things or whatever. I'm telling you, if you will put your trust in the Lord, humble yourself, lean on His abilities and not your abilities, you'll be so surprised what that piece of card that I was holding before can do. You'll be so surprised what the Lord can do through it. All you're doing is making the most of the all-powerful God. Simply put your humble trust in Him and then just sit back and watch the Holy Spirit in action. And we can see that so powerfully in this text because actually we don't see Mary share the good news of Jesus. She doesn't even get that far. She goes to celebrate with her relative Elizabeth and before she can even get there, you notice the Holy Spirit does the work. Look at this, it's wonderful. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. So remember, this is John the Baptist. So we heard about Elizabeth and John last week. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice Mary hasn't got there and set up her PowerPoint presentation and gone through a four-point gospel or anything like that. She hasn't even told her anything. The Holy Spirit is already at work. The Holy Spirit has gone before her. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, this is Elizabeth speaking, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed, notice that she's commending her trust, who believed that the Lord will fulfil his promises to her. So we have great cause to put our humble trust and just sit back and expect the Holy Spirit to work, to go ahead of us. If you're thinking, I'm not some great evangelist, I don't have the, all the answers for people, so I'm going to hold back, or I don't dare go across the roads, my name. All you have to do is that simple step of putting your humble trust in the Lord, and the Holy Spirit will go before you and do the rest. I've had experience of this, you know, going back to when I was invited to that celebration service. I was invited twice, and I had to be because I said no the first time. But very oddly, after I said no the first time, I started to think, I wish I hadn't said that. I hope they invite me again, but I was too proud to ask. So I just waited. And a few days later, they had another go, which is, I think, a good lesson to all of us that we should persevere if someone says no the first time round. But what happened between the first time and the second time, I believe, is that the Holy Spirit was working on me. That going ahead of their invitation, the Holy Spirit was drawing me. I didn't have a clue what was going on. I just really felt this draw. And I've shared my testimony many, many times of coming to the Peterborough building for the very first time. But actually, I've missed a detail out most times. So I don't know if I've shared this before, but the Sunday that I came to a celebration service here wasn't the first time I'd been in this area. Because on the, the Friday or Saturday night, I can't remember, I got in my car, had nothing else to do at the evening. I'd given up drinking, if you remember my testimony for, for, for a month before, so I had nothing else to do. And I, I just came to this place. I drove around trying to find where the church was. And it was a dark, starry, moonlit night. And I was just driving around, just wanting to be around the air. And even once I found it, I carried on just driving. I've no answer for that, other than I just felt this ultimate overwhelming desire to be around this place. The Holy Spirit had gone before. The Holy Spirit was working on me. And I've seen it in my own life when I share the good news with other people as well. You know, sometimes, even though I'm a preacher and I'm you know, standing on stage and sharing. Sometimes when it comes to evangelising people at work and stuff like that, I've been a bit cowardly, to be honest. I've worried a lot about who I can share with and how and so on. And during COVID, I remember I got particularly brave. Now, you remember, oh, 
you remember COVID, we all remember COVID, but you remember during lockdown, uh, the sermons when we were doing them, they were all online. It was a very odd experience. We had to uh, come to the church, someone would let us in, then stand 10 foot back, and then we'd come in, uh, sit down, give the sermon to a camera, and then just walk off to your own footsteps. It was a very odd experience. So I'd kind of got the sermon in the can on the Friday, and then you just had to, you know, just sit there nervously while it was going out to everyone on the Sunday and you had no control over it or anything. And I remember on the Friday, once I'd recorded it and got back home, and everyone at work was, you know, sending emails around and so on, I just thought, I'm going to be brave here. I'm going to send an email around to everyone at work. And I did. I said, you know, as it's locked down, everyone's trying new things. Just want to let you all know that I'm, I'm preaching on Sunday and so, you know, you can all watch this from home. And I sent a link to where the sermon was going to go out from. So I sent it and then sat there, great man of faith that I am, very, very nervously, worried that I was going to get sacked and stuff. In fact, I put in the email, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for proselytising here, but here it is. After about 10 minutes, my boss came back and said, I don't know what proselytising means, but uh, I'll be sure to tune in and watch. Okay? <clears throat> anyway, after the Sunday, I then got another pang of nervousness. So I was thinking, well, you know, how do people respond to this? And I'd, I'd gone quite <clears throat> hard in the message, quite a sort of gospel message and so on. I thought, how will people take this and so on? But then I started to get emails and messages from people thanking me for the messages, uh, for, for the message, finding that actually some of the people that I didn't even know about were Christians and stuff. But one person I hadn't heard from was my boss. So I started to get worried again. <laughs> and so Monday went by, Tuesday went by, hadn't heard anything. Wednesday, I get an email from her. I open it excitedly, find it's just an, a week, uh, a work email with nothing about the sermon in or anything, start to panic a little bit. And you know how sometimes with emails, you can really read things that aren't there in her tone and stuff like this. And I started to get some nice other messages from people, you know, keen that the Holy Spirit was working in their life, but they didn't have the power to sack me. So I was worried about this other person. And then it came to the Friday. And on the Friday, she sent round her normal Friday sort of catch-up email, updating everyone on what had gone on in the week. And on that email, she put in there, uh, I was sorry that I wasn't able to catch Tom's sermon on um, uh, Sunday, but somebody else has told me that actually there's a link to the archive of all his other messages. And she put the link in the email <laughs> to everyone. I thought, no, she's not, she's not going to sack me. She's actually become a partner in my ministry over the week. <laughs> but all jokes aside, I'm a little bit ashamed of my attitude <laughs> Because I was actually thinking there, oh no, have I, have I got myself in trouble here? Has she, has she seen it and not liked what she saw? But actually, the Holy Spirit was speaking right through that message. The Holy Spirit is speaking on the heart of my boss and everybody else that that goes to. All I have to do is put my humble trust, not worry about my abilities or lack of abilities in preaching or whatever they may be, but rather put my trust and the Holy Spirit will go before me and will do the rest. And you can make the most of the Holy Spirit both at Christmas and for a lifetime. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, we saw it there when Mary um, shares that news. It brings joy to the heart of Elizabeth. The mere presence of Jesus and the sharing of a greeting is enough to make the Holy Spirit work on somebody. And if we can prepare our hearts for the Lord, if we can put our humble trust in the Lord, then we can make the most of the Holy Spirit. And if we make the most of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can do what the Holy Spirit does best, can make the most of the Lord Jesus Christ and bring joy to everybody. I'd like to pray and after that we'll share a response. Father, I just pray you'll be with us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. 
Lord Jesus, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to us. Lord, I pray that we over this Christmas season and beyond might prepare our hearts for you, that we might make the most of you. And Lord, will you help us to get past any questions we might have, to move past any lack of ability, to put our humble trust in you, that we might make the most of the Spirit this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We'd love to share a response with you. So if you're here in the room, if you wouldn't mind uh, standing. And in just a moment, what we're gonna do is we're gonna sing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I'm gonna pray that the Holy Spirit will come upon us, that the Holy Spirit might make the most of Jesus and that we might, like Elizabeth, as the Holy Spirit joins us, just sing out in joy to the Lord Jesus. And this will be a wonderful time of worship. And then from that overflow, we'll have boldness to go out and invite people for next week and beyond. But before that, I wanna give an opportunity to anybody here who's never let Jesus into their heart for the first time, who's never come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. So if that is you, what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray for you. And just so I know who I'm gonna be praying for, if you wouldn't mind, if you wanna come and know Jesus as your Saviour, come and know Him, get into true relationship for Him for the first time, If you wouldn't mind just popping up your hand right now so I can pray for you. And if you pop up your hand, I can see who I'm praying for, then that would be fantastic. So wherever you are, and if I can ask everyone else, just so it's a private moment, to bow their head and close their eyes. If that's you, if you would like me to pray for you to come to know Jesus for the first time, then if you could pop up your hand so I know exactly who I'm praying for. Lord Jesus, I pray for anybody here with their hand raised, that you might come, that you might witness to them, that they might know that you died on a cross for them in proof of your great love for them. Holy Spirit, will you come right now? Convict them of anything they've done in their life that there was not of you, that they might put their faith in you, receive Jesus as their Saviour, and might have a, a new life right now, that they might come to know you afresh. Come into their life, wipe their slate clean, change them from the inside out, that they might sense your presence, look Jesus, put you front and centre, that they might celebrate and share you. In Jesus' mighty name. If that is you at the end, there'll be some instructions, uh, if you'd like to avail yourself of those, so that you can come and find out what your next steps would be. But for the rest of us, if you included, what we're gonna do now is let the Holy Spirit into our hearts to do what He might do best, which is point to the Lord Jesus. And once He's in our heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, or in this case, the mouth sings, we're gonna praise the Lord Jesus for how wonderful He is, how glorious He is. And we hope out of that, we'll all have a new, fresh joy and boldness to go and share Him with others. Thank you.